Welcome to the weekly podcast from the Jesus of History channel, the Jew behind the Christ myth. In this week's episode, I'll be reading the prologue from my historical fiction novel, The Last Letters of Jesus. Prologue Ninth day of Tammuz, 3823 Memories of Rabbi Yeshua To Marcus Julius Agrippa II, King of Chalcis and Galilee, your father's friend Yosef sends you greetings. In these troubled times we see so much blood and so much suffering justified in the name of God and yet there is only one answer that can save us and its question is this, what is the nature of evil? You wouldn't remember him, you were too young, but my son Rabbi Yeshua, when he was younger than you are now, he tried to tell me but I wouldn't listen. Now he's gone and things are getting worse, much worse. Most people live their lives in a dream, unaware of the evil around them until it's too late. Last year it took another son from me and in the eyes of his killers I saw the shadow of darkness. The priests say that black is white and white is black and the people blindly follow them into hell. There are those who talk about sin much and often and use our blindness against us, but in truth they know nothing. But Yeshua knew. He tried to make a stand. He wanted us to wake up. He asked for my help. He should have been able to ask for his father's help, but I turned my back on him. I wasn't there at the beginning, but later when he was in prison, he tried to explain to me in his letters. I wish I'd read them while there was still time. His message could have saved us, but the liar, now that Jacob is dead, takes Yeshua's name for his own cult. His lies turn the people away from my son's teachings and soon his words will be lost forever. For the sake of our people, you should know the truth of my son's story. I have Yeshua's letters in front of me as I write, but there's so much more that you need to understand. Hindsight reveals what life obscures and, and now I can see that the end in many ways was the beginning. 30 years ago in the Temple of Solomon, just after dawn, Yeshua, came to a crossroads. I suspect that he knew he'd chosen the path of death. It wasn't the first sacrifice of the day, not by anyone's reckoning, and as it transpired, it wasn't the last. The Beginning 14th day of Nisan 3793 30 years ago The Last Passover it was early spring, but the winter was reluctant to let Judea go. It was the morning of Passover and Rabbi Yeshua Bar Yosef could see his breath in the torchlight. Despite the bitter cold, sweat ran into his eyes. A year ago and in the peace of Magdala, a blockade of Herod's temple seemed like a good idea, but now, with so many lives in his hands, he was not so sure. It was dawn and he knew that the sun would soon be rising over the Mount of Olives. He was running out of time. The tunnel seemed to go on forever and the rest of his men would be in the temple courtyard above, waiting on his signal. In almost total darkness, he began to run. Rabbi Yeshua was 37 years old and had worked with stone all of his life. He was a hand taller than most Romans and still massively strong, but if there was a guard at the mouth of the tunnel, he hoped he'd be able to silence the man without having to hurt him. He had always hated violence. 
As he silently climbed the steps towards the early morning light, he kept to the shadows cast by the lip of the surrounding wall. He could hear his men behind him, but couldn't risk taking his eyes from the light. Philippus tapped him on the shoulder to let him know that they were ready. Yeshua took a deep breath and stepped into the massive court of the Gentiles. Already crowded, people were hurrying towards the sanctuary. He was expecting to hear the bark of a challenge, but there was only silence. He let out his breath in relief. His vow was two years old, so his hair and beard were long. He was hoping this would be enough to disguise him as just another Nazarite. He pulled his prayer shawl closer about his face as if from the cold. He signaled to Philippos and the others to follow. Herod the Great had started the renovation and extension of the Temple of Solomon 50 years ago. The ongoing work was one of the constants of life in Jerusalem. The temple walls shone like gold in the early morning light. The sound of a thousand hushed conversations pushed in upon him and carried around the courtyard like voices over water. In the distance, nearly half a kilometre away, beyond the crowds, Yeshua could see the walls of the Roman fortress that marked the end of a temple courtyard. Later in the day, the temple would hold at least 200,000 people for the main rituals of Passover. The trumpets announced another sacrifice. They hurried toward the sound. Philippus was one of his oldest friends. Despite being a Jewish aristocrat, Philippus was tall and blonde. As they made their way toward the inner courtyard, he attracted some unwanted attention. An old Pharisee, thinking him a Gentile, stopped to stare. As they passed the gates and entered into the inner courtyard, they passed a sign which read, Any non-Jew passing beyond this sign, your death will be on your head. Philippus pulled his prayer shawl over his hair and tried to blend in. The old man turned away, shaking his head in disgust. Yeshua signaled to Shimon. The giant fisherman, built like a ball, cleared a path for them through the crowds. They pushed towards the main altar where priests were already sacrificing screaming animals. Yeshua looked up at the parapet above him to see if his brother Matthew had managed to get into position. He could see no sign of his men. Yeshua looked around. He found himself chewing his lip. He took a deep breath to find his calm. He knew they were doing the right thing, but what of his men? The temple sanctuary was a marble building, nine stories high, capped in gold. In front of the sanctuary, there was a series of altars. Their objective was the largest of the altars, the altar of burnt offerings. It stood the height of three men and it was already soaked in blood. Encircling the altars of sacrifice was a walled courtyard, Jewish guards, patrolled the battlements of the surrounding walls. It was these guards that his men, led by his younger brother Matthew, were hoping to neutralize. Again, Yeshua found in himself chewing his lip. They had a hundred men to control a thousand. Timing was everything. The trumpets blared again, heralding another sacrifice. Yeshua looked up nervously. The black-robed priest held the knife to the throat of the sacrificial bull, its eyes white with terror. Clouds of incense filled the air, but did nothing to hide the smell of blood and feces. The screams of terrified animals drowned out the incantations of the crowd as they swayed back and forth. The priest probed to find the main artery with his free hand. The ball tried to pull away, but other priests were holding his head over the altar. Yeshua looked up. His brother Matthew was waving. The inner courtyard walls were clear of guards. Yeshua gave the signal to Shimon and his men. 
Each of the huge temple gates leads into the inner courtyard slammed shut. Now they were committed. The expectant crowd intent on the sacrifice pressed closer to the main altar. Yeshua had been standing amongst them, but now he pushed his way forward. Now that they were beyond the point of no return, his mind cleared and time seemed to slow. Alone, he ran up the ramp to the top of the altar of burnt offerings. The priest turned from his task and lunged at Yeshua with his knife. Yeshua sidestepped and took the wicked blade from him as if from a child. The priest tried to take it back, but it tripped on his cloak. In the confusion, the sacrificial ball, sensing his freedom, managed to escape. It ran from the ramp, scattering the crowd. Yeshua threw the knife to the floor and raised his hand for silence. These sacrifices are an abomination to God. For 500 years you have ignored the words of the prophets. This is your last warning. God will not send another. The people surged towards the gates and priests ran for the sanctuary. We've blockaded the gates of the inner courtyard. Nobody leaves until you've heard my words, Yeshua shouted. The crowd stalled at the gates. They looked back at him, uncertain. The priests were disappearing behind the golden gates of the sanctuary. This was Yeshua's last chance to make his point. You have turned a house of prayer into an abattoir and you eat the demons you create, Yeshua shouted to a stunned audience. The evil you make here will consume our people for eternity. The people within the court were mostly scribes and priests, but here and there, Yeshua could see the embroidered trim and wide collars of the Pharisees. The kings of Judea had fought wars to force Israel to sacrifice in the temple, but looking around, Yeshua could see only Judeans and their blank faces meant they just didn't understand. Yeshua stood before the golden sanctuary on the altar of burnt offerings. Zigzag ramps below him led down to the crowd. The marble altar stood over a large cave which caught the waterfall of innocent blood and allowed it to drain into the Kidron Valley. It was here that cattle had their throats cut and their bodies burned. The white marble of the altar was stained red with blood. The sanctuary behind him towered over all, marble capped with gold, proud in its beauty, but like the priests, utterly cold and without mercy. There were smaller altars in the courtyard for goats and birds. During the holidays, people would wait all day to offer the life of an animal to God. This was killing on an industrial scale. Behind the altar, there were four rooms set into the wall. It was in these rooms that the temple bankers accepted the ritual tax and changed foreign currency. They were still busy doing business, unwilling to leave their money behind or lose their 8% commission. Yeshua ran down the ramp and grabbed a ball whip from one of the temple animal handlers. He cracked the whip in the direction of the bankers and the noise gave them pause. He shouted to Shimon who pulled the people out of the way. Yeshua overturned the table, scattering the money over the courtyard. Shimon slammed the door shut. None of the priests thought to argue. So far their luck had held, but they had to keep the initiative. Yeshua looked around, suddenly unsure what to do next. A black-robed priest, surrounded by sycophants, confronted Yeshua. What is the meaning of this, this blasphemy? Only we speak for God, he shouted. Yeshua noticed movement out of the side of his vision. His two brothers, Matthew and Yossi, had appeared behind him. Matthew was fingering the pommel of his sword, but Yeshua shook his head. He pulled the priest to one side. You say that you speak for God, but you don't listen to his voice. Yeshua said, putting his hand on the man's shoulder. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. Look around you. 
Look at the blood on the floor, the stink of shit and the fear in the eyes of the animals. Dead animals lay around, as if struck by a plague. Coins lay strewn on the floor. Who are you to say what God wants? The priest demanded. Yeshua looked at the man and frowned. No more than you, he pointed to the blood-stained altar. But this is the work of evil, not the God of Israel. Yeshua turned to Mattia. If the Romans don't attack, we will hold out as long as we can, but we must get to the Mount of Olives by nightfall. If you enjoyed our podcast, don't forget to like, message and share our work. It helps keep our content free. Visit our website, thejesusofhistory.com and connect with us on social media.